Inca Diz. Peace, this is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And we're back again with another tribute episode. It's a very special episode. We're doing a tribute yeah. for the debut album for Mr. Most Deaf, Black on Both Sides, released October 12th, 1999. And Is it Yasin Bey or, or is it Most Deaf? <laughs> Funny you say that because I was just about to say that he currently goes by Yasin Bey. And I respect that. And going yeah. forward, I would probably use, I'll probably still use Most Def. Occasionally, I'll use Yasin Bey. But for the purposes of this yeah. episode, his name is Most Def. He's Most Def. He's Most Def. <laughs> and as you heard, uh, we had a special guest chiming in there. But back to the studio. I couldn't help myself. That's right. Say what's up to the people, Calmont. What's up, everybody? Happy to be here. Thrilled about this album that we're going to cover today. So thanks to you both. Let's go. Yes, welcome, welcome. And I have to say that when we first started doing the tributes, I guess it was two summers ago. The first one we did was the 20 Years for Wu-Tang Forever. There were two albums that I could not wait to cover. The first would be Supreme Clientele, which is going to be, I think that's January in 2000, January, February. Yeah. Right. And then the second one was this album, Black on Both Sides from Most Deaf. Uh, with man. these two gentlemen, man, I can't think of another place I'd rather be right now. Fantastic facts, man. This is uh, this is definitely one of the albums we've been talking about, shooting to to do for a long time. I'm mm-hmm. also glad we have a fan favorite in yes. Calmont, you know, here to do this album with us because I'm excited about this journey. Yeah, thank you to everybody. What's up, peoples? <laughs> All right, so let's just start it off right now. Let's go with you, Yinka. Where were you when you first heard this album? I was in VA when this album came out. Heavily and squarely in the ruckus camp. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about how Sound Bombing was such an influential album for myself and those around me. That's right. You know, ruckus is, is squarely a camp now, you know, so it's like No Limit has their thing and Rockefeller has their thing and, and, and squarely you have the ruckus camp. Right. And, you know, I personally would call this album the crown jewel of the ruckus era. This was the album where it was like, I don't think there was necessarily a solo album out of Ruckus that, like, you know, was the one. Mm-hmm. You know, like Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style, or, yeah. Cro- or The Chronic, or, like, that's what this album was. So, I mean, yeah. I think this album meant a whole lot to me, and it's one of the few albums that I would say, over time, it's just aged so beautifully. Like, every time I reconnect with this album, I learn something new. But at the time, you know, I'm still... Super backpackety hip hop guy, you know. This album has a DJ premiere beat on it. I want to hear that. I want to hear bars over Biggie, Hushacha. Mm -hmm. You know, those are the things that I'm looking forward to. And so I connected with certain pieces of this album. And then later, as I listened to it more and more, like I learned more and more about it. So, what about yourself? So, this is the fall of my junior year in high school. And it's coming off of a summer where I'm pretty much caught up on all the things I need to catch up on in terms of hip-hop. You know, because before this, I was solely Wu-Tang, right? I've gone back to listen to, you know, the old school greats. So, you know, Big Daddy Kane, KRS-One, Rakim, Cool G Rap. I'm all cut up to speed there. Um, getting introduced to The Roots, right? Things Fall Apart came out the previous fall. I'm good on that. I've gone back to listen to Do You Want More, Philadelphia Half-Life. I'm good on The Roots. I've started to okay. get into Nas. So it was written Illmatic. I'm, I'm caught up there. And I'm really getting into Biggie, Ready to Die, and Life After Death. But as we mentioned okay. previously, that Sound Bombing Volume 2 mm-hmm. came out yeah. that previous spring. Mm-hmm. And most Def was not all over that album, but I think he has like three appearances 
right? He's got the B-Boy document. He's got the little yeah. vocal feature on the Medina Green track. And he just got the, was yeah. it another universe. Is that what it is? Uh-huh. Uh, universe. Universal Magnetic. Universal Magnetic. Yeah. Something, something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, right? So he's yeah. all over that. So I've mentioned before how I was playing a lot of catch up. And this is mm-hmm. one of the albums that upon its release like i was in the right space to get it like so this right. is not something that came out and i'm going back to get it like no this is something mm-hmm. i'm anticipating because the previous fall mm-hmm. that black star album came out and i didn't even know who they were koi actually put oh, me up okay, on yeah, that black true. star album so i had to go back and listen to that so this one mm-hmm. i'm ready for it did you have high expectations medium low expectations when you first heard it out of 10 i'd say my expectations were like a seven out of ten i was very much looking forward to the album but this Mm -hmm. album as good as it was even when i listened to it it was kind of a slow burn in the sense that i really enjoyed it initially but over time i just began to realize just how brilliant it is because here's the thing right yeah yeah at this time like i said i'm playing catch up on a lot of albums and a lot of this music is still new to me right and so you don't really get a chance to see how bad something could be because if you're catching up on hip-hop yeah. you're not going back to listen to mediocre albums you're going back to listen to the right, classics, right 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 so when you hear a classic for the first time you're like oh of course this is hip-hop and then you <laughs> you're around more and you you see that other projects come out and they're not classics and you're like well, fuck i need to go back to that black <laughs> on both sides point. very good point yeah. that's a good point yeah i didn't think about that count where were you october 1999 I'm a senior in high school, living my best life. <laughs> Got the whip. I was in the right place at the right time, you know. That's interesting what you say, Andrew, in terms of being caught up with things. My identity in hip hop have been forged by who? Like a track called Quest, mm-hmm. Nas, Wu Tang, Biggie. Mm-hmm. And consider where the world was in 99. That's when, you know, the internet is really yeah. the thing that us, yeah. you know, hip hoppers, we're using because now you could look up lyrics mm-hmm. you could you could find these unreleased tracks sound bomb right. was huge so we were kind of digging up a lot of the names that were on there yeah. including them and yeah. whatnot so most deaf was somebody that of course we're aware of and then uh you know black star mm-hmm. and we're like yo he's ill like he's for real legit so really anticipating yeah. this album and you asked a great question yinka in like where were your expectations you know, after Sound Bomb and Two and Black Star, mine were very high. And okay. uh, I made it a point to be at Best Buy in Springfield <laughs> on the day of That's the where release. I got it too. <laughs> the day yeah. of it, right? Yeah. So I cop this album. Love uh-huh. just while I'm in the aisle waiting to buy it, I'm here looking at, you know, okay, this is the front of his face. Yeah. And now you flip it, and that's back the back is. of his mm-hmm. head. And it's just like, yo, I'm going to surgically remove the plastic, you know, with a razor. (laughs) I didn't even take the sticker off. I I just, you know what I'm saying? Everything's on in Christine. And it's it's hilarious, man. In preparation for the show, I'm I'm actually listening to the album. I'm not streaming these songs. Of course. I pulled the CD Uh out. And one one of the first things I see is like the CD insert has that minor damage on it from when I would tape it onto my dorm wall. If you look at my CD right now, uh, because I've been listening to the physical copy this week as well, and it's like falling apart, right? The cover has to like kind of stick on, the the hinges of the cover don't work, the little spindle teeth that hold the actual CD, they're gone. They're gone. The paper's kind of like, it's still intact, but it's kind of worn down. And it's not because 
you know, I like stepped on it or I, you know, it fell out and cracked and it hit the bottom. No, it's because I listened to this album That's so many damn times that it just wore really? out. Yeah. Literally wore out the physical copy of this. So Gorgeous scars. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yo, adore yeah. this album. The impact Word. it had, not just on me, but on yeah. hip hop. And I know yeah. we're going to get into Definitely. that. Because, you know... Uh, retrospect yeah. hindsight is 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 just you know a magical jewel exactly yeah you know yeah. october 99 senior feeling myself really into just lyricism mm -hmm. this cd insert i've read hundreds of times which is going to wow. come up later in the show simply because i was the type to buy an mm -hmm. album and first i would read it read the insert prior to yep. listening wow okay and i did that uh, for this one and was amazed mm. at seeing a lot of stuff that I didn't expect, which was, okay, yeah. this track written by him, I, I expected that, but also produced mm -hmm. by yeah, him. He, yeah, had, a, he yeah. had a big hand in the production. And then these That's musical huge. these musical instruments that they're listing out performed by most deaf. I'm mm -hmm. like, what? Yeah. 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 So I'm reading all this stuff, and I'm like, yo, I can't wait to listen to this. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, because around this time frame as well, right, Jay-Z releases volume three. And yes. in the intro, he says, I know you just opened your CD and you're looking at the packaging. And I'm like, is this motherfucker looking in my window? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because exactly. it's like, that's exactly what I'm doing. So, yeah, definitely takes me back to that time frame because I was the same type of listener. One okay. other thing I wanted to mention off of one of Carlos's points that I thought was pretty, pretty dope that I didn't even think about is, um, man, where were we in October in 1999, right? There was a lot of talk about 2000 and how it was going to be like the end of the world oh, and motherfuckers true. was buying water and Y2K. all kinds of crazy shit, right? Yep. And so the fact that he puts out this song, Mathematics, that talks yeah. about numerology oh, and numbers yeah. and all kinds of things like that is just so timely with Incredible. where everybody was mentally in 1999 in October. And, and you know also, I mean? I mean, when you think about like the way he even starts this album off, you know, talking about like, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, where do you think hip hop is going? Most right, and you, you know, and and it's like we are at the at the cusp of the 21st century here, and you know all that angst in the air, including yeah. in hip hop. Like, yo, you know, where's it going? What do you think about yeah, it? And yeah. his answer is just genius. It's yeah. like it's, you it's know, hella genius. It's wherever we are at because we are hip hop. Yeah. So next yeah. time you ask yourself that, you gotta ask yourself, where am where I going? going? How, How am I doing? Right. Yeah, you get a clear idea. Yeah, that's so ill. Yeah, yeah. this this album, man. Oh, all right. So let, let's dig in, yo. You know what I'm saying? Should we talk about yeah. start off with the critical reception? Outlaw, you're usually our critical reception <laughs> correspondent. So what you got? So I'm looking at it right now from the critical reception that is showing on the wiki, and the only. <laughs> media sources seem to get this wrong was the rolling stone which for whatever reason gave this a three and a half stars out of five everybody else is five stars a minus a minus a four out of five 10 out of 10 8.7 out of 10 9 out of 10 like everyone loves this album so i don't know what rolling stone was thinking about jay-z yeah they're thinking about jay-z <laughs> is and, that what it was <laughs> um, the source gave this four stars out of five and i think that this is one that they would probably want to take back because again you know you talk about it from ruckus black star is a great yeah. album train of thought from talib kwali or reflection eternal is yep. a great album sound bombing too great yep. album Eternal Affairs from Farrah Mosh comes out, I think that's next year. Right. Great album. But uh -huh. this is the crown jewel. This is the one that yeah. everybody, not just the backpackers, not just the heads, but even the commercial folks respect this album. They respect Most Def. He's a name that when you hear come up, people don't yeah. like shout it down. They're like, oh yeah, of course, Mighty Most. So right. 
this is an album that I think my peers and I, you know, Coy loved this album. I love this album. And this is actually around the time, Carlos and I didn't mention this, but this is actually around the time that you and I started linking up. That is very true. Yeah. So that we, is very true. We started linking and, and rhyming with each other and bouncing ideas off of each other around here. Yeah, that's right. And Carlos, the senior year, because we kind of knew each other. And then I think it was like one day after school, we were just like, you know, kicking raps or whatever. Like, yo, we should start, we should start writing. But this is one of the ones that was in the deck. So... Mm. Critical reception, everybody loved it. I'm not sure people knew how great it was going to be at the time. Yeah. But yeah. on yeah. that point of critical reception, one of the mm -hmm. reasons why I'm, you know, as excited as I am to, you know, be joining you guys in uh, recapping, you know, this 20 year anniversary of Black on Both Sides, most deaf mm -hmm. seems to just fly under the radar, maybe be slept on, not get, you know, what I feel is the, you know, the accolades or the respect deserved. 20 years later it's fun to see how just lyrically there's a lot of verses that i mean still get analyzed they yeah, get deconstructed sure. yeah. you, you see you know little internet venues vox releasing <laughs> viral videos of how you deconstruct most deaf and it's just at that time it was awesome to see it happen because most deaf is like, okay ruckus camp this guy's ill then this album mm. drops and, and the feeling i had was like yo where the fuck did you come from? You're, yeah. you're, you're not supposed to be the Super Bowl MVP. You were supposed to be a guy contributing to the victory. Right. And it's like you come yeah. and, and release like this. And, and yeah. just like, you know, his yeah. multi-syllable rhyming schemes and just his yeah. artistic and musical ability and piecing together an album that is a classic of mm, hip hop. Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to drop, you know, a number of where it, it rates, you know, because that's kind of opinion. But it's without a doubt a classic hip hop album. Sure. I think something else to add here, right? So we, you know, we talked about the whole backpack thing, how sound bombing came out, how Ruckus was really a camp, right? And I don't know if this was intentional, but he kind of leads with Miss Fat Booty as a single, right? Yeah. And that, that record becomes iconic. And it takes him from this backpacker dude to he's now kind of becomes a ladies man in his own right. We start to learn that he also has acting chops. Yeah, like, I mean, man. it really opened the door and gave us Ruckus's first superstar, right? Like he's, he's, a, he's a rapper, he got bars, he's dope. Deaf Poetry, right? Remember Deaf Poetry? He was the host. Yeah. Deaf yeah. Poetry, right. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like some of the critical acclaim is interesting because when you go back and you read these kind of critic one-liners and takes, I feel like they didn't really know what to make of this album. And the yeah. reason is because all of the bars are really safe. Like they're like yeah. little one-liners are all like, you know, A minus, uh, really good effort by most Def, right? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. because this album is so black and it's so it diverse that yeah. like, it's almost like they didn't want to go all in either or they just didn't understand it but unapologetically like, black at a time it's where so that black. didn't exist yet uh woke, right. like this. And not like this woke before you know people knew that you know you didn't grammatically say that right talk, you know talk about like he conscious i'm just oh, yeah. awake dog i'm yeah. doing a great dog yeah <laughs> but yo like he did it in a way that like okay so a lot of woke music especially yeah. from this time frame 
Even, I mean, we had Shamira come on the podcast and talk about how the miseducation of Lauren Hill isn't amazing, right? Like, right. a lot of it didn't age well in terms of the subject matter. But, like, Black on Both Sides, to me, is one of the records that, like, I don't care how you feel about quote-unquote woke. I don't care how you feel about Hotep. I don't care how you feel about any of these terms. Yeah. There's literally nothing that you can say about this album. Like, it's unassailable. And it I feel like that's just a testament to how ill this album ahead is. Of like, I, ahead of his time. Yeah, it's like, wow. Uh, <laughs> the other album that's released around this time, I forget when exactly. I think it's a little bit after this, but that would be the Dead Prez. Dead Prez, yeah. What's the name of that album? Let's Get Free. Let's Get Free. I think and that's, I, that's I think that was the same album. year, right? I think it is. It's, a, it's right around this time. Obviously, the lead single for that is Hip Hop, which is a banger for sure. But that's an album that I just was never able to get into just because no disrespect to Dead Prez because I respect what they stand for. But at the same time, too, like musically and lyrically, it's just, in my opinion, it's not on par anywhere near on the level with this album. I so, agree. Dog, right. go back and listen to that album. It's actually a really, really good album. If you say so. I mean, if you, say you may so. cringe at certain points, um, <laughs> but it is a very, very good album. If uh, anybody who is listening to this has not heard Let's Get Free, please go back and listen to that album. It's a very good album. Uh, but anyway, well, back to this that, album. That's take. All right. So... <laughs> Here's another one, and if you've kind of teased that this is the past, right? That when we talk uh -huh. about highlight, what well, wait, have we even gotten to your critical reception yet? I didn't have much to add. I think okay, everybody right. everybody agreed that this was good, whether it was critics or whether it was friends, like everybody who listened to this album agreed that it was good, but I think everybody's good was different. I think okay. people agreed that it was good universally, but I don't think everybody who said it was good understood it. And okay. I, I agree 100% what you just said, Yinka, because I think 99 was definitely a fork in the road year for hip hop. Mm where I think the album was just too good to not acknowledge that it is good, but the focus of the industry, you know, I guess the powers that be just decided that it's going in this direction. You know, it's just going yeah. in, the, in a direction where most deaf and ruckus and just conscious hip hop were gonna be kind of left in the rear view, if you will. It was just a decision, right. like a business choice yeah. by hip hop. Yeah. So yeah. no limit. It's your time, cash money, you know what I'm saying? You guys are up next, and, you know, the heavyweights in New York. But it's just this movement, this conscious hip-hop movement, this album is kind of, you know, the peak or the prime of it. I would say so. Agreed, right? And I think when you think about the fact that Most Def does kind of come into his own with Miss Fat Booty as a single, then, you know, obviously... He's a hip hop guy. We're marketing him as, uh, you know, underground. He's not flashy, etc. Well, he's got a primo beat on here. So that's the natural next single. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. the marketing right. decisions here made sense as marketing decisions. But it's wild because some of the subject matter that he was canvassing, like the song Water, right? The right. New World Water yeah. record. You know, I mean, he was really talking about stuff that's even relevant now. It may not be the most marketable, but it, it's, it's very just impactful about what he was talking about. And I don't think that a lot of outlets that reviewed this and a lot of people that said that it was good listened to that subject matter and really digested it for what it was supposed to be. Yeah. You know, I wonder, too, and we, we've all kind of tease this point out here but i wonder if if this was an album that was actually even possible to fully critique at the time you know what mm -hmm. i mean i feel like there's 
some projects that obviously you know they're ahead of their time and you, and you go back and you listen to it and you're like oh wow i don't know why i didn't like this as much but i think right. this is definitely one where you know at a time when you know new world water mm-hmm. you mentioned that song that's not right. a song that it's not gonna be anybody's favorite song but you listen right. to it 15 20 years later and the music is still good yeah the lyrics yep. are great and there's a lot of tracks on the album that are kind of like I don't think that the hip-hop world was even ready to really sit with this album critically and understand just how good it was going to be and how well it was going to age and just the lasting impact that this album was going to have. So I'm going to say agree and disagree, right? And and I'll give you the disagree part. The disagree part is we're talking a time frame, and this is much different than nowadays where you get these one album listens where it's literally called one album (laughs) listen because they have to put it out quickly. Back then, these cats would get a copy of the album one, two, three months before the album even dropped. So in that three months of listening to the album, if you weren't able to come up with a better take than most def delivers a solid debut <laughs> offering, then that's on you, bro. Like you, you didn't listen to this. That's your loss. And I think, you know, I think we can give these folks some some runway in terms of excuses. But like, mm. you know, there definitely should have been much more deep criticism when it came to you know an album of this magnitude. Like I, I don't think I've ever heard any review that discussed in depth. Umi says, New World Water, rock and roll, like the subject matter and thematics on those records and like what what they really mean. I don't think any reviewer even tried to touch that. Well, here's a little bit of slack that I'll give these reviewers. (laughs) I have have two or three tracks that are both highlights and lowlights for me. Okay. Okay. And the reason that they're on both a highlight and lowlight list for me is because they were lowlights in 99. Okay. But now in 2019, uh, I look back and it's like, what the fuck was I on? I just wasn't ready <laughs> yeah. you know, for it. So it's a highlight now. That's a perfect segue. Yeah. Let's launch into the lowlights. If you have lowlights on this album, let's discuss. Starting with Calmont, hit us. Yeah, please. Oh, fantastic. So mind you, classic hip hop album, one that I love. So lowlights might be a strong word. It's okay. However... Yeah. Hey, we we reviewing this, so let's hop into what I felt were the lowlights back then. Mm -hmm. So this is hilarious to me now because (laughs) these same songs are highlights for other reasons, but let's dive into Umi Says, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) At that time... Yeah, right. I, Even at that time? Listen, Outlaw, wow. Outlaw's about yeah. to have a panic attack. At now, I'm, I'm time, with them. I'm right? with them. I'm with them. Wow. I'll piggyback when you're done. The fact that Umi said had no verse, it okay. felt like Boom. a low light to me in 99. Boom. All right. 100% agree with you, bro. That's exactly how I yeah, felt. Yeah, because it's most deaf. Because, you know, it's like, yo. Right. So in 99, I was like, yo, come on. You Are you an MC or not? Like, right. drop some bars on this, because the beat's great, and, and, and uh, so on and so forth. Did you want to add something to that, Yinka? That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, me, okay. where I was, Backpacker Yinka, 1999, I want Most Def to show me why he's the greatest MC of all time. And so every right, record, right. I want three verses. If I don't, if I don't get <laughs> right. bars on the record, like he's singing, like why are you singing, dog? Are you trying to be commercial? You trying to right, like? Right, what, right. Are, you, are you not underground? Like where the bars at? So I so feel what's funny you 100%. is that twenty years later, you can look back and see that oh, that's a reflection of where I was. Okay, that's a mm-hmm. reflection on me. You know, yeah. not most depth and his creativity. Another low okay. light at that time. 
Uh, track 12, Climb, that, uh, featuring okay. Vinny and Mojica. All right, so that is yep. fair at the time. Yep. At because the time. at the yep. time, I wasn't feeling Climb as much either. But at the time, I was all yeah. on Umi Says. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, hey, that to me, that means that you are more of a forward thinker or maybe. just had an open mind, like A&R type of mind, while, while I was just like, nah, just yeah. give me bars. Okay. I'm on bars. Yep. You know, Same I was like fiending with it. But track 12, uh, you know, with Vinya Mojica, having no verse in 99 yeah. felt mm-hmm. like a low light to me on this album. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, yeah. what is hilarious, take Climb right now, right? Yeah. Do nothing with it. Don't change the, the, no, uh, change the drum kit. Right. Don't mess with the production at all. That mm-hmm. is exactly a Drake beat. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I could hear Drake on Climb right now yeah. if you do nothing with it. And yeah, it just maybe. goes to show, like, yo, most deaf. Looking back and listening to this album, he's much more influential than I anticipated him to be. Mm-hmm. He inspired mm-hmm. a lot more many artists than I anticipated. And just that mm-hmm. style, because back then in 99, I'm just like, yo, lyrical content. Who got these verses? Who could kill yep, on a DJ yep. premiere beat more than anybody? But nowadays, <laughs> it's not like, yo, don't bore me with lyrics. Like, carry a melody. Right. Any, right. any dude today that you hear, you know, Drake, Post Malone. Like all of them that got millions of views because they got millions of followers who appreciate that they could just hold a melody and it sounds nice and you hold a groove with it. And it's just like climb. I'm immediately thinking Drake's and the Post Malone's of 20 years later. Mm -hmm. And and he was on that tip in 99, you know, in an environment where maybe it wasn't that safe to, to, to be a singer. And then, you know, track 17, I'll throw it in there, made through December. Yep. Just because yep. it's produced by 88 Keys and Most Def. Dope beat. It's like, fucking spit on it. Like, damn. Yep. That's, you know, that's yep. but again, that's just me being selfish. But now to, like, I guess a better low light, I guess, features. Yeah. I felt mm-hmm. that the features could have been stronger on the album. Okay. And, and I say that cautiously because the features in order uh, were uh, Busta Rhymes, yeah. Vinny Mojica, well, uh, uh, Talib Kweli. Talib Kweli. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, Talib Kweli first, and then Vinny Mojica after, and then Q-Tip. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's like, okay, got love for Busta. And they killed it, you know, the back and yeah, forth. It's Brooklyn. Yeah, it's, it, and it was, you know, the call and response the style like that, that I love, and they both executed. I don't know why that song was just like one of those skipping songs for me. What the point? Oh, I'm what? not sure why, but it was. What? Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I'm listening gonna have to back wholeheartedly to it, disagree, like, man. I think the features were, were strong, and I think he did a great job of not not enlisting too many features to the point where this really, really felt like a most deaf album um, with a few people sprinkled in here and there. I thought the features were All great. All right, then tell me, tell me about like track 11, Know That, because that was that feature Talib Kweli. And I get it, because they just had released Black Star. But it's like, yo, that Ayatollah production, that beat. Oh my God. I really wanted to hear somebody else on it. So for me, I'm going to take the reverse approach on in terms of the low light highlight because okay. that was a highlight okay. for me at the time hearing Talib Kweli because okay. this was at a time when Talib Kweli was still in my good graces. It wasn't until after he did Just To Get By which is a good song but mm. that was around the time when Talib Kweli started to fall off for me and I'm like yo this guy's annoying and oh, even when I go back oh, to wow. listen to him now I'm like I don't understand why I like this guy so much back then and this is a mm. feature appearance where I mean he's fine but he even mentions like 
your flow comes across soft or whatever, or your your flow is weird. And, and I'm your like, flow dude. a little bit off. Yeah, and your flow's a little bit off. I'm like, dude, your flow is always, always off. off. Always, yeah. always off. off. <laughs> Never on. Yo, you know, you're so the one funny. who's trying to squeeze 50 syllables into one bar of a 16. I'm like, stop doing that. Let yeah. let the track breathe a little I, bit. So that to me, I agree with his you. featured appearance for me now is a low light. But uh, you know, if I could replace to live quality, I know that, and put Jizza on mathematics. I'd be so straight mm. because Jizza oh, with his voice, with that DJ oh, premiere man. track, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. with the subject matter, I mean, come on, yeah. like, my man. In 1999, it's just I prefer That's everybody on Know That <laughs> over Tyler Kwame. Yo, it's Every. so funny though because I'm gonna be honest with you. I think we're a little revisionist, and and the reason I say that, I mean, <laughs> we're I, we're talking now, but you know, back then, yeah. I remember sitting in in the lunchroom and cats being like. Yo, so who's iller? Most ever, Talib Kweli. Sure. <laughs> and now we're talking sure. about how you know, Talib Kweli's flow is so I've never annoying. been in one of those conversations because, like, uh, and I think you remember, I I never was a fan of Talib. I knew he ran with Ruckus, so I was never going to be like, don't buy his album or yeah. shit on him. Me personally, ever, ever. I mean, there's I not an hour of a day that I've ever, like, been you know offered fandom to Talib ever. I think tough, I think man. the Reflection Eternal uh, Train of Thought album is really it's good. A great I album. Think that, that album is kind of the the one that I hold up when I think about Talib in totality. It is. It is. But yeah, well, man, like you know, his flow's never he, on. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like he he just kind of can't stay out of his own way with his flow sometimes. Yeah, um, I think know that though he bothers me a little bit less than than other places and i think it's because i really enjoy the whole back and forth uh, you know situation when anybody does it and i think they do it pretty well and this beat is incredible like i mean i used to have oh, this song on a oh, amazing. back, back yeah. when, when this album came out so you know yeah, the beat is like- so good that I'm cool with them. It's like you gotta be disrespected and throwing out the exit to get the message. To get the message. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, all right, Talib, you got it, bro. But see, so so closing out the whole, you know, features being a low light for me. It's like, you know, mm. obviously, you know, the the best feature in my opinion on the album was Buster. Mm-hmm. Then you got the Talib, and then you got Q-Tip. Who, I mean, does that count as a feature? You know, he kind of sang yeah. the hook. And you know, it's like, oh, when when I read it, because again, first I read the insert, yeah, and, like, oh, and I was looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, but you yeah. know, I didn't skip to it. I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting. And it's like, oh, yeah. all you did was like sing the hook a little bit. I was disappointed. So what I'll say about that record though is this sounded to me like suck a nigga 1999 right like it was like he yeah. was almost remixing yeah, was a tribe called quest record and so he brought q-tip in as a part of him remixing a tribe called quest record did y'all, y'all not feel right. that way as well i did feel that way even at the time i felt that way and and if you really analyze that track it's five minutes and 12 seconds and most has a lot to say on that record and we could talk more about it later but i'm not sure if there would have been room for a q-tip verse if you yeah, know what i mean i agree yeah. and i mean i realized that you know after the first listen i was like okay no i, I get it it's it's like yeah. it's kind of paying homage yeah but it was just like ah oh, man when it said featured i thought yeah. he meant featured so the one feature i pull away from the album is buster mm-hmm. and i'm just thinking like man it would have really fit Moses like uh just just style at the time to have like one legend on there mm-hmm. okay so i just other wanted a little bit more out of the feature other than buster right you say the name and it's like it would have fit 
perfectly on black on both sides. Yeah. Interesting. I'm just trying to figure out what legends would have worked on a most that project because for me personally, maybe Busta Rhymes is not one of the goats. He's not a legend from a lyrical perspective, but Busta Rhymes is a pretty big name. And Yinka and I have mentioned this several times how. You know, we don't think that anybody shits on Busta. Obviously, you know, he's got way too much respect for anyone to not give him his due props. But even so, I'm not sure if people give him the props that he yeah. really does deserve. And maybe he's not an actual, like, Hall of Fame. Well, I would say he is in the Hall yeah, of Fame if there was one. I mean, Busta was a pretty big name. And I think, especially at this time, the only other act from Brooklyn that's that big would be Jay-Z. And I think Jay-Z could work on this album. I don't want Jay-Z on this no, album. me neither. I, mean, I wasn't yeah. thinking and, Jay at all. The other thing I love about Busta Rhymes, and I've said this before, is that first of all, I think that Busta Rhymes is one of the most versatile talents that hip-hop yeah. has ever produced. In the sense that yep. there are very few genres of hip-hop and artists within the hip-hop music that Busta Rhymes cannot work with. And at the same time, too, what makes Busta Rhymes so great is that he knows how to be a complimentary piece yeah, while does. still letting mm -hmm. the artist shine. And, and on yep. a record like this, if I had a hip-hop legend, they might take away from that. But Busta's not doing mm. that here. He's very much complimentary with most. And it right. is very, very much a Brooklyn record, a black record. And I think mm. Busta Rhymes is perfect on it. And I know you're not asking to take yeah. Busta Rhymes off of this track, more so to add on another piece. If you wanted to add a legend, a Brooklyn legend, I feel like if you did a Miss Fat Booty remix and you put Kane on it, his voice would be perfect on that beat. The subject matter is right up the alley of who Kane was. I'm not even gonna say was, is. And right, I think he would right. knock that out the park. I mean, and let's not restrict it to Brooklyn because it's just like, That's fair. judging by the production on the album, you know, it's like uh, Psycho Less from the Beat Nuts had a few yeah. on here. It's like, yo, picture Big Pun. Like no yeah. that or something. <laughs> Yo, you want to put pun on everything, uh, dog. <laughs> I, my man, if I had my way. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Yinka, do you have any lowlights for this album? I'm going to say my lowlights fit in the vein of, you know, what Carlos had to say in that, you know, there were things that I thought were lowlights because of where I was mentally in 1999. Um, pretty much any record where he wasn't just giving us straight bars, I was skipping. Um, okay. Other than certain records like rock and roll that just really intrigued me that I was like, yo, this is, what is this? Oh, this is dope. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, records that he didn't really spit on, I, I skipped through. And then over time, when I went back and listened to this album, those have become some of the records I love the most. Like Umi says, I mean, it's, I'm like, was I an idiot? Like, why was I not yeah. listening to this song love back it. then? You know what I'm saying? For me, my only low light at the time was probably mm -hmm. Climb. That was just mm -hmm. a record that, you know, as, as advanced as I might have been, and I'm not even sure that's the case, but that's a record that I just wasn't ready to really appreciate, let yeah. seep in and just... You know, really enjoy the track. Um, but now, yeah. obviously, you Love know, it. Climb is great. Yeah, um, it's a great song. The only low light that I have now, looking back on it, I, To Live Quali is not a low light for me just because it's most deaf in To Live Quali. And if I right. have a most deaf record out at this time and To Live Quali right. is not on it, exactly. even now, I'm going to be upset that that you know that that it didn't transpire that That's way. Fair. And so, it's going to be like, are they beefing? What's the problem? Why exactly. is he there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you to live Kwali's right. inclusion is not a low light. The only low light I have is something very, very minor. And that is, is at the end of rock and roll, there's like this little ad lib where they say, well, that was, well, that just, was wonderful. just wonderful. Right. And they kind of laugh. Yeah. And it's kind of like, 
I think at the time I didn't mind it because rock and roll is kind of like an out there record at the time. Mm -hmm. But looking back on it, it's almost as if they didn't take that song serious. Or if they did Mm. take it serious, but they threw that little ad lib on there as like a cop out or as Mm. as an out to say that, whoa, yeah, we were just doing a little something different on this track. And it's like, no, that's a really good song. It's a song that I liked at the time. I like it even more now, especially since I didn't know who Nina Simone was Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And now that I know who Nina Simone is, hearing her name mentioned. Yeah, I knew who Kenny G was at the time, but I didn't know why I shouldn't like Kenny G as much. <laughs> like, now that I know this stuff, right. I know way more about about rock and roll, about American music, mm-hmm. not just black music, but American music and right. the roots of all that. Mm-hmm. Because before, I just loved the... I loved the beat. And the first time I listened to this record was with my brother. Mm-hmm. And before I listened to a lot of hip hop, I had to listen to whatever my brother was listening to. And although he did listen to hip hop, he listened to a lot of rock music, mm-hmm. classic rock and whatever was coming out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So this was a song that I could vibe to even at the time. Yeah. But I just think that to kind of suggest in any way that this record doesn't belong on the album, which I still... Every time I hear that line, like I can't not think that that's what they were doing because there's really no reason to put that in there. Yeah, right. It might be like kind of knitting, but no, it's something that I wish was not on the album. And it's also an unnecessary jab to, I guess, the white people (laughs) that we just were referencing. Yeah, like. Well, that uh, was just wonderful. Yeah, you know, it's just like a caricature of white people. So (laughs) I agree with you. I think it takes a step forward by just removing that little yeah. bit hmm. i think you're right and that's my only other low light i wish that jizza was on mathematics even though i'm not sure if there would be space for him mm. i just think that even if it's just like an eight bars just mm. something mm. i just listen to that now every time i hear it i'm like man jizza would just be perfect on this track yeah I agree. but that's pretty much it for my low lights one, one thing i'll add though <laughs> and it's not and it's not a low light even i just i wouldn't know where else to put it in this discussion when going mm-hmm. through and reviewing the wiki, it talked about how there's a version of Brooklyn where the second piece or the, the last piece, I'm sorry, where he has like Hushacha as an instrumental. There's a version where like it takes all of the 95 New York rap hits beats and he raps over them, including incarcerated Scarfaces, give up the goods, etc. I want to hear that version. <laughs> so interesting. Wow. So that's that's the only thing I would I would add. If if anybody has access to that version uh, or knows where we can listen to that, please comment. Let us know because I would love to hear most def. most deaf over Release classic lost tapes. Please, <laughs> <laughs> please don't do a, a lost tape. Not 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 Nas style. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all right, that's it. Let's go to the highlight. And this is going to be an interesting one because everyone's going to have kind of the same similar highlights yeah but i don't know where do we even start with highlights i have an idea of where to start go ahead i want to mention a name big big shout out to david kennedy mm-hmm. okay the recording and mixing skill yeah. of david kennedy on on this album yeah i feel that it's just important to shout this guy out yeah i mean it's just like all the cuts and the mixing mm-hmm. like Tracks one through five, I know you guys might say one through six, uh, we already covered Do It Now, but mm. tracks one through five are among the hardest mm-hmm. among hip hop albums, just the way they flow with each other. Mm-hmm. And all of which 
were just masterfully recorded and mixed by this guy. Yeah. Because that's a key part of hip hop. Mm -hmm. You know, not not just MCing, but the scratching and how you you know mixing in these cuts and mixing in the samples and 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 you know so on and so forth. Right. Like the mixer has a big role to play, and I just feel that he did a tremendous job. So I wanted to shout him out. Um, tracks one through five are just so hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the sequencing as well. That's what I was gonna say. It's sequencing for sure mm -hmm. so it's like when you kind of run through it okay fear not of man track one written and produced by most Def. and i you know i'm gonna say that again because on debut albums you don't hear that all the time yeah. produced by most Def, right the bass congas and percussion performed by most Def. yeah and so, and don't forget to mention the uh, the sample from fella kuti okay well. yeah so i mean it's like it helped me to have read that first prior to listening yeah. to the album because then I was listening for it, mm -hmm. right? And like the bass line wasn't no easy little, you know, just walking bass. It was like, yo, he was grooving. I was right. like, all right, so this guy, I still remember him from the Cosby show. <laughs> he's much more than an actor. Like, right. This yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. you know, he's, he's talented. So then track two, produced by Diamond D and Most Death. Yeah. Bass and keyboards by Most Def. Yes. Went in. Yes. Recorded and mixed by David Kennedy. Track three, Love. And like, come on. I love that song, right? I mean, how can you not like Love? Produced yeah. by 88 Keys, recorded and mixed by David Kennedy. So it's yeah. like, you you get like this common thread going on on this album. Mm -hmm. Track four, Miss Fat Booth. Produced by Ayatollah, Ayatollah, recorded and mixed by David Kennedy. Track five, Speed Love. Produced by 88 Keys, recorded and mixed by David Kennedy. Mm. And you know, before I bore anybody, it's just that imprint on the album by these producers and most of obviously playing a big role in the production mm. and performance mm. of it. It gives this album like a feel that just goes throughout the entire playing of it. Something else I wanna I wanna give a highlight to is um is just the subject matter on this album. Mm -hmm. I feel like Coats, he has Between the World and Me, and that's a, a, a book that's been highlighted by the Obamas, it's been highlighted by a lot of big voices in terms of what the state of collective black consciousness is, you know, in America. And I think, you know, I don't know that we're mature enough as a society yet to understand that music in this time frame is art that can have that type of level of, of social commentary and social criticism but i think that this album when when it's all said and done when we go back and we have grandkids and we're talking to our grandkids about about our time frame this album is something you could literally go back and and have a, a learning about the black collective consciousness you know from got you know talking about how at the time everybody in rap is is basically it's an arms race to compete over who's got the biggest chains the brightest chains the biggest teeth whatever and you know this artist instead of instead of commenting on that decides to comment on the opposite side of that which is yo i'm from brooklyn like you you will get robbed so cool you got a big chain yeah. that's cool right. people will rob you like you know the new world water umi says like just the subject matter throughout this album is just an excellent reflection of the title, Black on Both Sides. Like, it's, it's, it's incredible. And very brave of him to do that, especially at this time. Yeah. And now that you mentioned God, I will say that a highlight for me was that it's produced by Alicia Heath Muhammad. Yeah. I shamelessly adore A Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. So I didn't care what was going to happen on that track. <laughs> it's a highlight. Right. For me, as a as a Tribe Called Quest fan, right, you know, this is the rap nerd in me, so I don't know if y'all are going to feel me or, or shoot me, but, like, when I see a name 
be it Ali Shahid or Fife or whoever's name in the credits that's not Q-Tip, I'm always zoom in on it because I always <laughs> wanted to know like, what did these other guys do? Like at yeah. first I thought Ali Shahid <laughs> produced all their shit and then and then I realized yeah. that Q-Tip produced like the lion's share. And so whenever I yeah. see Ali Shahid's name, I always run to that song because I'm like, was this guy like a dope producer or was he just the DJ? Like, what is his deal? So the fact that Got is one of my favorite songs on this album was very gratifying for me as an Ali Shahid, yeah. you know, production. It's a lovely thing. And allow me to redeem myself, you know, now that we're talking highlights. Mm. Umi Says is a highlight. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Okay. It has to be. Definitely a highlight for me. Right. Um, and even back then, it's like I knew that what I was listening to was 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 dope. I just wanted a verse. Right. But you know, now the more refined and mature Kalma <laughs> looks back and says, "Damn, this is the track that's actually produced by Most Def and my new, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a fanboy for David Kennedy now. But you know, mm -hmm. them two produced this. Yeah. And then uh, the Fender Rhodes piano. Yeah. The fact that Will I Am. Was the one oh, performed? Did not yeah, know that. Yeah, 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 that's Black right. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it was him who who performed. The, I don't have the album credits in front of me, so you're giving me something I don't remember. So thank you for that, my yeah. man. I got that advantage, <laughs> man. I got this the the crusty CD insert. I'm reading. I probably didn't know who Will I Am was in 1999. Most of us didn't, you know, yeah. and it didn't mean much to me when 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 I first read it. Right. But then it's like Will I Am became Will I Am exactly. Yeah. And then it's like to look back and and say, damn, and just the fact that there's a Fender Rhodes in in this album yeah, at all. yeah that's you true know, and, and it, it makes sense if you think if you listen to a lot of jazz from the late 60s and the early 70s mm -hmm. exactly. and you hear where most def got a lot of his influences from yeah. it does make sense but that was not something that i understood in 1999 exactly that was something that i started to understand in 2002 and 2003 when i went to go do my jazz digging so you're absolutely correct interestingly now. enough in 99 you know i guess i had you know the, the advantage I yes, guess, when you because it's oh like, yeah, because you were playing the sax. I was playing the sax, and and you know Coltrane was yeah, of course, was huge, mm. and so it's just as soon as I heard it, it's like okay, you you could point to you know funk, mm. or I mean obviously jazz mm -hmm. yeah. because it just you know that that it, it was an instrumental instrument. See what I did there, <laughs> uh, and just for it to be featured, and then to come to find out, it's Will I Am playing it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Umi says is a highlight, gentlemen That's and listeners. Sorry. Don't judge me anymore. <laughs> and it's not just a highlight for Carlos and for Yinka and for myself, but Umi says it's a highlight for black people. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. You know what I mean? Like if this, if there is a, a black power mixtape and Umi says it's not on there, it's invalid, yep. period. Agreed. I was, you know what I mean? You can't go to, regardless of where you are on the planet, if you consider yourself part of the black intelligentsia, mm -hmm. you know, you have an appreciation for Umi says. And in mm -hmm. fact, in fact, let me just say this real quickly, and I, I don't want to dive into it too much, but you know, most of his personal life, I don't know all the details because it's actually very difficult to find online. <laughs> but you know, obviously, some of his domestic issues with you know some of uh, some of his wives and child support payments, it's not the best news, right? Man. But I think that despite any of his personal transgressions, I think that most death, unless he does something absolutely crazy, is always going to get a pass from us. <laughs> Because of songs like Umi says, really, I mean, because you can't, it, it, if it doesn't resonate with you, I, I just don't know what you're doing with your life. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I was, I don't know. I, I would like to add that, you know, um, we talked about Beyonce and how she didn't have 
lots of what we'll call legacy pieces and 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 i mentioned brown skin girl as a record that's going to be remembered as a period piece for her something that's it's a catalog piece that we will talk about you know in infinitum this is infinitum this is the one for most deaf right like like this is a precursor to a brown skin girl before you had a brown skin girl umi says is like the you know say it loud i'm black and i'm proud of this time frame it is and this song is so good that when his second album was coming out i had a friend say look if it's just 16 tracks of umi says i'd be fine (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean facts so anyway but uh yeah man definitely come on New World Water being produced by Psycho Les. I mean, that's just a shout to, to hip hop heads. But, you know? but, but how about just that song in general? Oh. In general. Because New World Water for me, when it came out, was something that I wasn't vibing to it all the way. Mm. The beat was, was, was fine. And the subject matter was something that I respected. But it, it doesn't resonate with me as much as it does now, yeah. obviously. And it's one of these pieces that... You mentioned before how brave most stuff was for making some of those decisions. And this mm-hmm. is absolutely a brave decision. And Hell yeah. Quick tangent. I, I just want to say that one of my highlights for this album is actually most stuff, but in particularly his fearlessness to do things that he was committed to. And Yika, you talked about how a lot of times the debut album that you create as an artist is an album that you've been making your entire life. Right. Right. And then it comes out. And so for all that to culminate in all of these different songs and specifically a song like New World Water, which if somebody at the time said, look, that's a corny record, like this ain't ain't no hip hop shit. What are you talking about? (laughs) I would get why they would say that, but it's not. And it's so relevant even today. And yeah, it's just, I, I, just I mean, it's, it's like you got the subject matter, right? And then just the intelligent way of tackling, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's a social commentary, corporations, corruption, greed, the delivery. Yeah. I mean, it's just like lyrically, mm. just the, 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 he switches up flows. He got multi syllable rhyme patterns. And, I mean, it's just, it hits on so many points. And then, you know, clean sound production mm-hmm. by Psycholes of the Beat Nights. It's just one of those songs where, where you know, like you said, black on both sides. It's just all different types of angles. Yep. It checks the box. So it's, it's definitely a highlight. And it's just when you got an album that is uh, made up of many, many, many songs that aren't dated. 20 years later, right. they're just as relevant and carry the same type of impact. And it's just a great thing. New world water make the tide rise high. Come in land and make the house go by. Fools done upset the old man river. Made them carry slave ships and fed them dead dead niggas. Now them belly fools, man. Yo. Fantastic. (sighs) Fantastic. It's incredible. So then that rolls right into rock and roll, which is also produced <laughs> by Psycho Les. Yeah. yeah. Which is which is surprising for me now to realize that Psycho Les was the producer, producer on that. Producer on that shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, most of you know, help with the production. Sure, I just wouldn't think that is all. Yeah, I nah. mean, just the beat nuts producing rock and roll. Like, yeah. that wouldn't have been my first guess. For me, man, the beat nuts, just both of them, both Psycho Les and Juju, to me, are just some of the most underrated producers. 
and I could just mm-hmm. tell that they really uh, understand and and love music in a way that there's almost nothing that they could do production-wise that would surprise me. Yeah, I got you. Me. And I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, one of the things about rock and roll that, that I like, obviously, you know, as a musician, is like, oh, damn, that's that's most deaf on the drums and the bass. Yeah. That's impressive because it's like, you appreciate the sound of, of you know, performance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, it's like we all love hip-hop, so, you know, sample drums or whatever, that's cool, too. Mm-hmm. But it's like when it's performed, it's like awesome. And then the way this breaks down into just a hardcore, just yeah. fucking heavy punk rock, just heavy, just ah! Heavy metals for the black people. Yeah, so it's just like, we're, and then also, the fearlessness of most death. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like, okay, in the black community, uh, there are some who are in the know. Most aren't, mm-hmm. but some are woke to the fact that it's like, all right, you know, there are a lot of names that never got the recognition or the success or the money. Yep. Yeah. Chuck Berry, Little Richard, yeah, had their stuff just quote unquote borrowed, <laughs> more like stolen. Yeah. And it's like, yo, these from artists like Elvis Presley. Elvis <laughs> Presley, Rolling Stones are taking their riffs and just becoming these, you know, these icons. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that's that belongs to someone. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, that's that's a that's a subject matter that that should be brought to the forefront. You know, there should be awareness of this. Yeah. Now, how are you gonna do it though? Yeah. Without alienating people, and it's like you know the way he just starts. I mean, first of all, the beat, you know, oh, yeah. that, that groove is started, and then he just starts with the How is it? My grandmama was raised on a reservation. My great grandmama was from a plantation. They sang songs for inspiration. They sang songs for relaxation. They sang songs to take their minds up off that fucked up situation. I am, yes, I am, the descendant. Yes, yes. Those folks who backs got broke, fool, fell down inside the gun smoke. Black people, chains on their ankles and feet. I am descendants of the builders of your streets. Black people, tenders to your cotton money. I am hip hop. Tell you metal for the black people. I am. So, so it's like he's saying why he has this voice and yeah. this point to to make. Right, right, right. Because it's like the people whose backs you broke, the people who built your road, have been stolen from time and time again. And now we're just going to discuss how in rock and roll. Yeah. And then he breaks into it. So it's like, you know what? This is a legitimate voice. Mm-hmm. It was just an intelligent, fearless way to approach the subject. And then it's just a fucking home run. Yeah. One of the things I love about this track is that the names that he shouts out for people who don't have soul, 99% of them, I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. I don't fuck with Elvis Presley. I don't fuck with Kenny G. I don't fuck with Limp Biscuit and Corn. Like, hmm? shit on all these people. The, only, the one group I do fuck with is the Rolling Stones. However, you are absolutely correct. As much as they paid homage to the blues artists from the 50s, and they do, but yeah, they jack, they definitely jack some shit. So I don't mind their inclusion, but I, I do love the Rolling Stones. I just have to say that. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, obviously my, my, my heroes in jazz and the people I wanted to emulate 
you know, aren't Kenny G. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with that said, you recognize that Kenny G is like, yo, he's a badass. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to Straight Forge, I know we all think of the, the, the fucking elevator music. Yeah. And, and, and you know, them curls, the curls for days. <laughs> but it's like, you know, he goes in on the horn. So it's like, you don't take anything away from people who have harnessed their talent and skill set and are doing them. However, I do get the point and agree with it. But, you know, it's one of those things of, like, people who, you know, rock with the Rolling Stones. It's like, okay, that's most of the world. Yeah, he didn't mention the Beatles, though, which is good. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't mention the Beatles, but it's like, you you certainly can. This is black music. This is American music. Um, But, I mean, they're fantastic. You know. yeah. The thing that I, I'll challenge Kamal on in terms of like artists like Kenny G in the sense that, yeah, sure, as a saxophonist, he was amazing. As a talent, sure, yeah, he could obviously play. But when you have a song like this, right, especially when, you know, you said Elvis Presley ain't got no soul. Elvis Presley was considered the king of rock and roll. And yet we all know that they specifically set out to make a white artist who could perform this woogie boogie music and sell it to a white crowd because they knew the music was dope but they didn't like the images behind it and when Kenny G came out I think that the one record that we all know um, I, I forget the name of it because I don't even want to know the name of it but I, I think it sold 2 million records or something like that right and the only other record I jazz record I know that sold maybe as many was we talked about it previously uh, was David Brubeck's Time Out that had a pop record on there that sold a lot. But for the most part, they didn't sell all that well. You know what I mean? And so Kenny G became a fucking star. And I think for me, that as good as he is, for that to be like the face of jazz, his name absolutely belongs in this song saying, this dude ain't got no soul. John Coltrane is rock and roll. You may dig on the Rolling Stones, but they can never ever rock like Nina Simone. I got so, you, you know, that, so, that's, I mean, that's my challenge for that. I'll challenge it uh, in this way. Um, in terms of the, the uh, biggest attraction of the last 50 years, let's say, of jazz, is, is actually Miles Davis. Sure. And I think, uh, I guess, pound for pound, you know, he has outsold Kenny G. Now, with that being said, sometimes, you know, you can be a victim of just timing in a situation, or you can be on the opposite side of that, where it's just great timing. Mm-hmm. You know, releasing you know this fucking christmas album <laughs> you know right when all these different distributors were just mailing 13 cds at a time and whatever i mean it's like who knows why but the point is it popped now yeah. kenny g look i've seen live i think like four times really the first time was an accident okay and that's when that's when i said to myself all right i gotta get over me yeah. Because what you're saying, you know, I, I understand the feeling and a lot of people feel that. Yeah. But seeing him live and, and he's realizing definitely talented, there's no doubt. Yeah, realizing like, yo, when it comes to straight ahead, just straight oh, yeah. ahead jazz, yo, homie. He can play for sure. And every, you know, moment that he can, at least live, you can tell that it's nothing but, you know, paying homage to who he feels are the real heroes of jazz. Okay. And it's, it's not in a disagreement with who you and I would, yeah, would, I would think. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know, is he is he a product of, of whatever? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the first time was an accident that I saw him live, and every other time wasn't. Just because it's like, I respect, you know, what homie's doing. I got and, you. and he gets worldwide musicians 
I, I don't think maybe one of them may may share his race. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's in a stigma of him. Um, but I definitely can see how he represents uh, culture vultures. If you yeah. want, to, you know, if you want. That's to call that's my that. bigger thing. It's just the fact that when his record came out, was it late '80s, early '90s? Whenever that uh, mid '90s, I think it was. Is that the fact that he was like the new face of jazz? It's just kind of like, eh. and I could see. I'm my point is just that I could see why most stuff would include him in the song, and I think it's a rightful placement. Is, is I got you. But, I yeah. got you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no knock on either one of them because mm. it, it's like we're talking about universal themes, and it's like, look, if the shoe fits, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's, there's nothing to apologize for. Just like uh, Kenny G isn't gonna turn down, you know. The royalties, right? Yeah, that's you know true. What I'm saying, nor should he. Okay, it's just how how things fall. Uh, uh, do you have any other highlights? Brooklyn, man, <laughs> track Brooklyn's thirteen, Brooklyn. Up. Like you know, this hip hop song that got three moves or movements or three parts or however you want to break them down, mm -hmm. and just knowing that you know two out of the three parts, uh, most have had you know product a hand in the production. Even though I mean I don't know if you want to count um, who shot you. I mean it's just a sample. But you know the point is uh, his homage to Brooklyn and and what he does lyrically in it, I think is a highlight of, of, of the album. Like you know he just I felt that he went ballistic on it and, and love it. And uh, obviously, come on, anything that DJ Premier produces on right, an album right, right. at this time, that means okay, okay you, you want to be in that conversation because only the best have a premiere track on the album and you already know it's going to be super dissected super analyzed the way he starts each verse with that you know clever way of going through one through ten yeah one universal law two sides to every story i mean it's just it's just an intelligent artist sharing his art with us so definitely a highlight it's interesting i think dj premiere is a, is a it's kind of a relic of this period um you know like carlos is saying every kind of great hip-hop album of this time frame had to have like a primo record but um mm -hmm. not all of those records and i'd say maybe a good portion of them did not necessarily age well and i think this is one of the better records that aged in terms of having really thoughtful lyrics like you can really just break down what he has to say and you know how it relates to just you know black culture and and you know the, the overall thematics of the album in a way that i think a lot of people approach dj premiere beats it, it, it's very different like most people approach a dj premiere beat where they're like yo i just got to give the hottest 16 i could come up with just like what's the hardest mm -hmm. you know punchline i could come up with that's what's going to be on my dj premiere record and i think he approached it in a much more thoughtful way than, than a lot of artists did the thing for me with mathematic is that i think at the time i actually didn't love the beat but mm -hmm. i i enjoyed the song it just it wasn't when you look at the album credits and you see okay you know premiere is producing this record there had been other premiere features that i thought had better beats of course than this one yeah. but you made a good point that they didn't all age well and you know i think at the time part of my mindset was like i, I also really liked hot music mm. or things that it just could just immediately grab me and i think that this is one of those records along with the entire album itself that just you can just appreciate this good piece of music and maybe it wasn't his best beat that he provided to an artist at the time mm. like you know, it, it may not have been the the million, million questions or whatever he had for Jay-Z, right? He may have gave better beats to Jay-Z, but given the subject matter and the song and its placement on the album, mm. 
this beat from Premiere is absolutely perfect. Yeah. And it's aged really well. And over time for me, it's become one of the better Premiere beats that he produced around, you know, this 1999 time frame. So it's not. So Yinka, what are what are your some of your highlights that Calmont has not mentioned? Miss Fat Booty has to be a highlight. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it, man. Yeah, this beat by Ayatollah is just incredible, mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where you know we're talking a time frame, right? Where where real hip hop means you have samples, and everything else is not real hip hop, and everybody's trying to have these big fights over what real hip hop is. But um, yeah, the way Ayatollah chopped this record is just so amazing and you know this is around the time when i'm i'm first starting to kind of make beats i have acid on my little computer and i'm i'm making stuff right but like i find you know this is i find i quote unquote i discover right what the record that was sampled here and i go back and i'm listening to the record and i'm hearing these different little bits that he put together to create this track that just sounds so smooth Mm. and so seamless and I think this is when I really realized, like, yo, there's some producers here that are really doing some crazy shit. Um, so this beat is, like, to me, one of the modern marvels of production of this era. And so I'll start with the production. And then just the story that most Def tells is so incredible. And it's so ill that it also fits in with what he's talking about in the album, right? So, I mean... The celebration yes. of just her her physical features, which happen to be very black physical features. Ass so fat that you could see it from the front. And then additionally, right, the fact that this is a time frame where literally, you know, cats are starting to come out with 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 albums like like the Nori one, where you know we're talking about, oh yo, I'm getting head in the whip without crashing it. Everybody's talking about how <laughs> you know their sexual conquests and how you know as a man, like I got all these girls or whatever, and like. This is one of the first stories that I heard where, like, he actually gets his heart broken. Like, you know what I mean? He gets super in love with this girl, and then, you know, she keeps it moving, and, like, his heart's broken. So just the vulnerability and just just everything about this record is amazing. I don't know if you guys have more to add. We do, and I I like your use of the term vulnerability to describe Mostef on this record because I think it's very apropos. Mm. But, yeah, Kama, you look like you got some thoughts on this fat booty. Oh, I mean, I'm just agreeing uh, with with everything you guys are saying because it's one thing to have, you know, just this great canvas, Ayatollah, man, what what a freaking production. It rates up there with electric relaxation in terms of like, could it get any smoother? Yep, yeah. But then to have that canvas and just an artist that knows what to do with it, Mm. because like you said, I mean, the storytelling was uh very empowering mm-hmm. you know to, to to women to black people yeah and you know again just it's refreshing to get that take on it it's yeah. like yo i was taken aback by her beauty and mm-hmm. um attempted to 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 win her mm-hmm. affection mm-hmm. and thought i had and it turns out that i had it. <laughs> yeah yeah but then also delivered in a dope way yeah it's like yeah man we we, we need more of that um and, and few people were doing it at that time. Mm. I got some questions about the story, though, because I was listening to it the other day. Uh-huh. And you know how I do, Yinka. Yeah. Oh, here you know it comes how, out. I got, you know how I'm like, I, wait a can minute. I ask does some, this make sense? Can I add some thoughts before you before you completely shit on the storyline? Please, please, um, please. So one of, the, <laughs> please, please. one of the things that I loved about, about the storyline is um, so the, the idea of the inherent cosine, right? So, like... He approaches, yeah, uh, you approach that. a woman on the street and a lot of times like you're, you're kind of at a disadvantage. So he approaches her on the street, shit don't really go great. 
the second time he sees her, you know, he's assuming that it didn't go great just because it didn't go great. But in this situation, he has the inherent cosine. His man's like, look, this is most. He's 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 mad cool. I wanted y'all to meet each other. Um, and then, you know, she plays it coy because she could completely just crush this dude like how people do in 2019, right? He was all in my yeah. DMs. He wanted me so bad, you know what I'm saying? But instead, she plays it cool. He plays it cool. They act like they never met. Then then they hit it off and, you know, everything, everything goes positively. I thought that that was really, really dope and really kind of how human interaction really works, right? It's not like some story that's unrealistic or, or it jumps. Like, so that's one. Two, I really, really like how Brooklyn this album is. And I love yeah. the fact that he injects, you know, we may not even have known that he knew who Gregory Isaacs was, right? So he not only, yeah. you know, he sings Gregory Isaacs to us. That that makes you, if you don't know Gregory Isaacs, you might go back and, and check out that song because of that. But, you know, just him injecting yeah. that shorty, you know, shorty also has this Brooklyn West Indian influence and he goes to her crib and, you know, she's singing the, the, the Gregory Isaacs song. I really, really like that because to me, it just, it makes it so much more black Brooklyn for me. But anyway, now you can you can kill the storyline. <laughs> Actually, before you kill it, before you kill it, speaking on that on that West Indian influence, yeah. that line of how you gonna leave before you That's dance with me? Yeah, love it because it's like in an interesting way, all oh, of West Indian culture, whether it's yeah. Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, it's just like yo. He came and he just sat there. He danced with everybody except for me. Like, yeah. What's he trying to say? You know what I'm saying? So just that line is just like, yo, it, it, it's like it's a lens into black culture, if you want to call yeah. it that. West yeah. Indian culture, definitely. Yeah. Brooklyn, West Indian. And yeah, it's like, you know, singing Gregory Isaacs. It's just like all the singing that most does throughout this album. Mm -hmm. This is fantastic. Yep. And we weren't hearing that type of thing in 99. Not at all. Later on, you know, that's when a lot of artists started featuring that, just singing and, and these melodies, right. and it just became a melodic. But back then, I mean, come on, who who was doing that? Exactly. Mighty Most. Yeah, no, for sure. And for me... <laughs> Get him out, love. I, I still love this song, and I don't I don't have anything <laughs> negative to say about it. I just have some questions that I want to post to y'all too. Okay. All right, just lay it down and lick me up. What? Okay, so when you watch the video, mm. my understanding is that she's mm -hmm. a stripper, is she not? Yeah. Maybe I'm looking at this from a, a 36 year old's perspective on what my idea of a stripper is based off what you see on Instagram or whatever. Okay. And it's maybe in 1999 in Brooklyn, strippers were different and that's fine. Nah, but yeah. I've been trying to kind of put together the woman that you hear for the entire length of the song mm -hmm. with the idea that she's a stripper and I'm not sure how much it makes sense. How so? It makes perfect how sense. So? No, no, I want to I hear Outlaw's well, right. formulation. For one, the idea that, all right, she plays him, but then when she sees him again and she he, she sees that he has a cosign, the fact is, shocked as hell she couldn't put it together. Why would she be that shocked? You know, she'd probably just be like, oh, okay, yeah, I saw this guy. Now, she may not play him, but she wouldn't be shocked to sell she couldn't put it together. Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not necessarily sure I'd buy that. Here, here are my theories on it, and unless you want to hop in here, Lincoln. Right, now, I'll let, you, I'll let you, you, you do it first, and then I'll say what I got to say. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, so uh, I guess in order, the women and the men who tend to be on the losing side of this whole love thing and, and by the way that's all of us it's just yeah, like, it's you know, all of us. when when is it your turn <laughs> for women it tends to be like 
Yeah, yeah, you know, I see what you're talking about him, but I can fix him. Okay. And then the four words to wrap that up for men is Captain Saberhood. Not, <laughs> not to know whether that's fair. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying these are the symptoms that people refer to. So, I mean, it's just like we should all be familiar with playing that role in our life at a certain point yeah so it's like you know she's a stripper oh no she's just you know stripping her way through college yeah <laughs> or, or what have you and That's then fair. when when it comes to the second point that you made it's like yo that inherit cosine that means a lot exactly. does, but why would she be but so, see, so that's what i was that's the thing I'm, no I'm, because that's what i was gonna talk on right so so go ahead, yeah, go ahead. i think that this is where it comes in right and so maybe this is a piece of the story that he he expected us to assume our, ourselves right but like sometimes you, the inherent cosine when when your man throws you to alley sometimes the alley is literally right by the goal right we don't know what his man yeah. said to her he could have literally been like yo this is most deaf the dick is like the mayor of the city he knows everybody he got mad loot he I, you, we don't know what his man said to set him up right but whatever he said it put him in a position that was advantageous that he did not have before she knew whatever it was that the dude said about him so i think actually I, yeah i'm gonna hop in real yeah, quick go ahead, i'm gonna go tell ahead. you i don't think it's what he said i think it has more to do with who he was okay okay you see because a lot of times you know it's like it's about you know the opposite sexes and what attracts one to the other and it's just like wait a minute you run with these okay you got right, more right, clout right. than i thought because when we met the first time i thought you were just some, some dude off the street yeah. right walking up to me in the street corner but it's like you know him but why and you run with though? them well Shocked i mean it's how i could have put she could have put it together well, yeah because it's just like this is a different venue yeah with with a different crew of people yeah so it's just yes. like okay you're associated with them so now you have a different now i view you differently maybe there's like i don't know no you're 100 percent power like maybe those you're 100 right i think exactly because be I've, I've been in situations where you meet somebody in one venue and then you just happen to bump into them again especially when it when it happens in a, in a short period of time i feel like chicks tend to be really thrown off by that like Oh snap Like you're here too It's like yeah I mean I don't be at You know McDonald's All day every day Like I go other places too You know what I'm saying So I wasn't surprised <laughs> right, By right. the shocked as hell She put, put it together line. I don't, I don't think it was Yeah Oh right. you know so and so It's just that type right. of thing like, Oh right. it's a small I, world know, That's crazy yeah, I, Maybe I Exactly I thought I knew yeah, All this person's Maybe friends. I went about it The wrong way Right The only other point That is kind of like Again I'm not certain on it I'm just Not sure it, how well it's coming together for me and I'll allow y'all brothers and any other folks ladies whoever to to come put me in my place that's all cool but some of the timeline that he provides <laughs> is kind of like is it really how that would play out so for example right okay. they date for a while before he smashes it like a Idaho potato mm -hmm. which is a great reference to to Biggie's line from who shot you right yeah. it's a great way to use that Brooklyn line in a completely different sense mm -hmm. so I appreciate the, the cleverness there but I feel like it takes him a little bit before he smashes. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think, I'm like, look, let's just be real. Would it really take that long? I don't, I don't know. And of course, everyone is different. Everyone is different. Everyone's going to move at their own pace. But I think given the totality of the story that I've heard about this person, at least in terms of how it comes together in my mind, mm. my presumptuous ass would assume that that timeline doesn't entirely make sense. Like if I were writing a story, if I were writing a story, and, and maybe it's just sexist old outlaw putting these characters together, but that timeline wouldn't necessarily make sense for me. Is all so I'll, I'll add in the context, right, that 
this does not make any sense. And, you know, go ahead, ladies, kill, kill me on this. But in my experience, when a woman really likes you and sees a future with you, you end up having to wait longer than a woman who sees no future with you and doesn't really like you. So in this particular scenario, it sounds as though she had a genuine connection with him once she met him the second time and was with, you know, with the homies and got the, got the joint. So, uh-huh. so at that point in time, right, I don't think it's that like, you know, okay, I'm just going to go smash now. It's like the, oh, I really want to get to know this guy and I want him to get to know me. And I think that's the reason why that part of this scenario took so long in your <laughs> in your narration of the events. So then he puts puts forward his uh, puts his best foot forward right. and he says, "Look, I'm trying to I'm trying to lock it down. You know, I want to mm-hmm. commit a relationship and then boom, poof, vamoose. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. I'm not sure if that how that reconciles with the point you just made. I I don't know. Carlos, any thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, that type of thing happens every day. You know, somebody bro. has every a fear day. Of commitment. Yep. Yeah, a fear of commitment is is just now that it's real. I'm I I gotta be out. I I got you. And of course, like this is a tongue in cheek point that I'm making. Okay. I'm not being entirely serious here. It's just something that I was thinking about when I was listening to this song, mm-hmm. this whole album on repeat for the last week because it's been in my car and I've just been listening to it nonstop. Right. It's just something I'm like, you know, I'm not sure if that really makes sense. The other thing, too, is it doesn't really matter because when you listen to the song the first time, mm-hmm. everything that he's saying kind of does make sense. Like, you feel that. Like, you're really feeling this girl and then you express how you, you feel. Like, everything is going great. Yep. Mm-hmm. You express how you feel to her and then, boom, she's gone. And, of course, same thing could be said on the on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, you, like Carlos said, mm-hmm. everyone's been hurt before. Mm-hmm. No one is free from it. So, it's just a little thing that I thought was that amused me to think that I'm like, you know, I'm not sure if certain timelines makes sense but but for me to, to get a little clarity because I, am i remembering it wrong because what i remember in terms of the sequence of the song once he smashed it like an idaho potato sure that's when the part comes up where three months something six months I'm yeah telling her but it, ta- really it takes it takes a few weeks before it even like gets to that point yeah was my, was my point. that makes sense it made it seem like i just felt that I was like, I'm not sure if it would have taken that. So are you trying to say that because she's a stripper, he should have smashed that night? Like, I'm I'm still trying to understand what the point is. (laughs) I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. No, not that he should have smashed that night. Okay. No, 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 no. Not that he should have smashed that night. And I'm actually, I need to actually go back and do the whole lyrics. Uh But I remember thinking that like, man, a lot has gone on before he's smashed it. No, but that that was on two two occasions. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna like, have to go back and listen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he sma- it didn't pop off. He smashes her, and then the six months, nine months, whatever, whatever. So he, so he's been with her for nine months, and then the whole situation transpires where she's she bounces. Right, because it got oh, too hold on, real. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, literally pause. I gotta look at these lyrics to make sure. <laughs> uh, he's looking up the lyrics. Oh man, come on, son. Yeah, so it's weeks, weeks of dating. Three uh, weeks. All right, that I guess. <laughs> No, but she's a stripper. Just, that whole she, be, she's a no. she's a wholesome nineteen ninety nine girl, dog. This ain't twenty nineteen where you know all you gotta do is is, is like. Well, that's like what I said. Photo. Well, that's what I said. You know exactly. What I'm no, no. That's what I said at the top. That's what I said. I said. I said at the top. I said like, look, just based off of the off of the details that I received nowadays about who this character might be, uh-huh. it just kind of seems surprising. Yo, don't and cut this shit out. This is, this is, this is like gold, that. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I cut it out? Cause, cause, Why would I cut You know how you be cutting stuff great. out? Yo, this, this, this needs to remain. This is, this is great. Yeah, but I cut stuff out that doesn't need to be in there. This is, this is, this is just something that I, I thought was, I don't know. She gave uh, the potato up after three weeks. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 
Uh, it's fine. Outlaw, it's fine. Outlaw just, says he, he puts him on a clock, yo. He, he's on a once he gets to the five yeah. yard line, yeah. this motherfucker's running the ball in the end zone. It, it's a wrap. <laughs> I think I just here's here's my ultimate point though. I think the idea of all like the different events, all the different turning events in the story, mm-hmm. I have trouble reconciling it all with the same character. That's I think that's kind of my overarching theme here. Man, my overarching point. I, I it's just the like... idea that all right, she plays him, then she gets a cosign and she gets shocked, then three weeks of dating, then it's nine months of dating, everything is all good, then all of a sudden, Bro. like boom, she's gone and back to stripping. It's kinda Do like, you know women? I don't know. It's just Do you know women? I'm not sure if like if I okay, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Hold on, real real quick. Here's my thing. I feel like if I actually saw how this played out in a movie, uh, I might call bullshit on some things. That's my point. Mm. That's my only point. And it's not it's not that big of a deal. The flip side of it is, you know, she's sitting down with you or me and saying, we've been dating for six years. <laughs> Are you going to pop the question or not? <laughs> and then you're saying like, well, I don't, I don't really see a future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's tough, yo. Nah, I think this That's is tough, but it's I real. think this is a real Commitment. you know, I think this is a real story. And I think honestly, okay. him giving us that window into, you know, I think the whole deal with her being a stripper, I don't even think matters in the story until the end where she kind of says, Yo, I can't manage commitment, I bounce. And then it kind of just gives him a better understanding of where she is in life as to why that occurred. Yeah. And then and then the party's over. Yeah, I got it. All right, well, I think that wraps up the Miss Fat Booty part of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, Yinka, well, what, what's another highlight for you? Do It Now is a, a highlight for me. Yeah. I think that Busta killed this. I think I that, think you know, too. they what the both black? did an excellent job. The production is great. I'll just leave it at that. It's it's so good. I don't even really have any specific points other than that. Do you, do you guys? Oh, of course. I mean, the way this song is arranged is absolutely brilliant, right? So yeah. first of all, you have most deaths starting off and of course there's like a little not a tempo change but like they they do something they add a another instrument to the background and to kind of increase the, the intensity and that's when Busta Rhymes comes on right mm-hmm. so for the first half of the verse it's most deaf in the more laid back beat it's not laid back but there's less going on and then Busta Rhymes comes on and then the intensity of the beat you know kind of yes. amps up then as each hook progresses you know, Buster Rhymes goes from saying what the boy to Rhymes Galore. So, yeah. woo Like, it changes every yeah, single hook. But I then on that. the last verse, he's like, watch out. Your fussy sound get box out. Exactly. Shut down yeah. your name like the NBA lockout. But he does that on the amplified, more yeah. intense section of, love the, of the beat. So, on the last verse, they both get turns on the more subtle beat and the more intense beat. Yep. And the way that that plays out over, you know, the, the full song going back and forth between them, I think is brilliant. This is an amazing it. piece of music. It really yeah. is. It really yeah. is. And, and I don't know what I'm on because they <laughs> both did their thing. They, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like lyrically and, and, and in terms of MCs, uh, you can't ask for more. Uh, yeah. They just, yeah. they, they did it. Yeah. I don't know why I would skip this song so much. Yeah, that's crazy I, to me. I, I, don't, I don't know This either. is one this, of the ones that I, I just had on loop back then. And so I got two more. Got. Okay. I yeah. love this song. I love what it's about. And, you know, I think it's really, it's a really good song in that, you know, one, it, it's kind of reflective of the era of everybody, you know, with their jewels and, you know, their, their big cars and all the other, the other great stuff. 
Um, but then additionally, you know, like I said, this is a very Brooklyn album. And, you know, the Manhattan keep on making it, Brooklyn keep on taking it thing was a, was a thing, right? You were hearing throughout New York hip hop. And so, you know, this is a very good, he's giving us a picture of what it is like where he lives as well. And I, I like that. Like, you know, it's, it's a bit of a glum picture, but I really, really enjoyed this song. It's one that when I first heard it, it was kind of like, I don't want to say it was a skipper, wow. but it wasn't one that I paid a lot of attention to. And, and obviously, one of the great things about this song is where it's placed. Coming mm. between Do It Now and Umi Says, two songs that I always listen to, I never did skip this song, but it wasn't one that I was always feeling immediately. And I think because of where it's placed, I spent some more time paying attention to it. And yeah, this is a, a great song. I love the beat. Um, I, love I love how the like the hook is so chill. Mm-hmm. But he's talking about something very serious. Don't get me. Don't exactly. get me. But like the beat, you wouldn't necessarily think it goes to a song like that, at least not on the hook. But um, I love the openness of the actual beat itself. Like when he's spitting his bars, yeah. there's a lot of room for you to just spit your bars and have us listen. And yeah, I think it's another really good Mr. Good composition. Fast Sean, that's never last long. long. No, the harder you get flashed flash on. on. I also like many still for sport and more still, but more, more still, still to so true. I like the um, come on now, I, what you expect? Got a month's, month's paycheck dangling, dangling off your neck. neck, like you know, just in eat the rich type of fashion, right? Like he's yeah. like he's telling you like, yo, you know, um, yeah, it's really bad. Like please don't rob me or whatever. But like, yo, like you, what you're doing is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're walking around around a bunch of motherfuckers who haven't eaten, and you walking around and you, you got. A month's pay- paycheck dangling off your neck. Like, what do you expect to happen in this situation? Mm-hmm. Always one so, of my uh, favorite really, tracks really like on this album, uh, which says a lot because there's a lot of great tracks on the, on the album. But definitely one of the favorites from mm-hmm. the, from the mm-hmm. beginning. Last one, man, and I'm gonna have to go against y'all on this one, but know that. Um, okay. You know, and maybe we should have just made Ayatollah himself uh, a, a highlight, mm-hmm. right? Like, right. the production is just so incredible on both of these records, Miss Fat Booty and Know That. This beat is amazing. Um, you know, like you said, Black Star gave us a great album that kind of set off the Ruckus era. And you know, if you're a Most Deaf fan or a Talib Kweli fan, you're, you're you're you know, it's like it's like having a twin brother or a twin sister, right? It's like everywhere you go, it's like where's your brother? Where's your sister? So Most Deaf has an album. It's like yo, where's Talib Kweli? Mm-hmm. So we finally get Most Deaf and Talib Kweli together. They passing it back and forth over an incredible Ayatollah production. I really, really like this. Might have been my favorite beat on this album, really, um, at the time. Yeah, I love that beat. good. It is an amazing beat, but yeah, um, know that I wouldn't list it as one of my highlights. But you are right, and it's probably because of to live. Even though I do like his placement here specifically. Mm-hmm. Despite that, he still kind of anchors the track for me. But you're right. The beat is absolutely amazing. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, holy shit, what is this? The beat is amazing. And another thing, especially in this time frame, I really like performance pieces, like Mm -hmm. records that it's almost like they're doing a live show. And when they do do live shows, they can do it. And it it kind of is a call and response. So you got the shout out to all my queens, all my seeds, all my uh, make it happen. Do your thing, Mm -hmm. you know. I understand and then and then I love most with the my people yes. my people my at the end you know what I mean so it's just like a, a live record I strike the empire back I, I really fuck the it. empire high <laughs> flying like millennium falcon what else what I miss so let me go with uh, some of my highlights that you haven't mentioned and 
I'll just go from top to bottom. So Fear Not of Men. This is one of my favorite intros to any album, period. Yes. And I think one of the right. reasons why I like it so much is, is, first of all, it is very much an intro track, right? That being mm -hmm. said, though, mm -hmm. you could put Fear Not of Men anywhere on the album and it would still be a dope song like it wouldn't you wouldn't say right. like what's this doing here it belongs at the front and look it's obviously it does belong at the front but it's so well composed mm -hmm. you have the fella kuti sample mm -hmm. for uh, fear not for men uh, and this is at a time when i didn't know who fell out was in fact you know maybe folks in brooklyn did mm -hmm. because um who's that famous dj uh is it uh, dj medina oh we're talking about uh rich medina rich medina yeah so rich medina he's been putting cats to, on to fella for a long time so obviously, you know, a lot of these Brooklyn cats probably knew way more about someone like Fela than I did. But the fact that you have a Fela sample mm. in 1999, before he became a household name for what he is a household name, on this track is, is great. And like Carlos said at the top of the show, you know, uh, hip hop is going where we going. So next time you want to know, ask, next time you want to know where hip hop is going, ask yourself, where am I going? How am I doing? Then you get a clear idea. Um, but the, you know, and, and the way he kind of goes into the, the poem at the end is just just, just bounce. Uh, yeah, this is a, this is a really big highlight for me. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. agree. Uh, it's definitely one of those where it's like, hi everybody. Here's an introduction to me, but also, you know, I'm, I'm shining light on me, which is about to be shined on you, like simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I think uh, I think Carlos kind of coined it earlier on in the show. You know, saying that this is you know. A kind of a time frame where everybody's like what is hip-hop real hip-hop mm -hmm. is hip-hop that hip-hop and then you know most def kind of brings it all together which like where is hip-hop going see see where blackness is going and that that's where hip-hop is your hip-hop i'm hip-hop this is what hip-hop is mm -hmm. so i thought that was dope and then this is another one that you know we talked about earlier where i'm like where's the bars yeah. back then and then the more i listen to this album the more i love this as a piece of music yeah. the next one for me is going to be speed law and the reason why speed law is will always hold a place near and dear to my heart is because i'm not sure if the first time i actually listened to this album was in the car with my brother but my first memory of listening to this album was when my brother and i drove from whatever wherever we were to up to see our nano and we listened to this album in the car and my brother was really glad that i bought it he was like because he didn't really know who most def was and so he loved this album but this song speed law really really resonated with him and this was at the time the only track that we went back to listen to before we listened to the rest of the album and so yeah i just for that reason alone that personal anecdote this song will always have a, a special place in my heart slow down but the song itself is also i mean just amazing i mean yeah. it's like and just just hearing that like the slow down while the rest of hip-hop is like speed up yeah exactly do more drugs drink more <laughs> fuck more hoes uh you know shoot them if they looked at you wrong yeah but to have a voice that's like yo this isn't like make-believe caricature of anything like yeah man live like a man right yeah. it's just a, a, a great voice to hear definitely another record in the canon of what i was talking about with this being an album that really can kind of tell 
how the black state of consciousness and like how to live like this is one of those records for sure and also just for me being the kid that I was in 1999 you know really being a sponge and really trying to be caught up on everything uh, this also kind of shouts back to uh, Slow Down by, by Brand, Brand Nubian, Nubian. Yeah. Right. and so you know this leads to me going back and really learning more about Brand Nubian and, and some of their previous work that I wasn't so familiar with so Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this record as well. And uh, I think it's a good segue to talk into my next highlight, which f- was not a highlight for me at the time, mm-hmm. but it definitely is now. And that's Klein featuring Vinia Mojico. First of all, mm-hmm. the musical arrangement on this is just it's fucking brilliant. Especially, you know, where I was really digesting this album, more so in high school, probably actually was college because I'm continuing to digest this album. And in college, you're more mature. Therefore, you have a more solid foundation of what it is that you like. And as right. I said before, ad nauseum on this podcast, around 2003 was when I was going back to listen to a lot of jazz music, a lot of old school music in general. And so when I, in that frame of mind, listening to this album and then hearing that song, then it's just, it's incredible the way the song like grows and progresses. It starts out like really soft and subtle. And then you get this full-on beautiful musical arrangement and the lyrics too like you know where are you going what's the rush everyone's so out of touch and it's so fucking true and that's a message that so long as we have civilizations and societies on this planet earth Mm. this song will always 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 resonate because this message will just never get old and i mean musically speaking uh to be that deliberate with strings mm-hmm. i appreciate that in this song because i mean in hip-hop you hear strings if that was just part of the original music that is being sampled in that loop that's when you get strings for the most part mm-hmm. or it's like you know a producer who yeah he's a good producer but not necessarily like a keys player yeah so it's just like okay that's the key of g so here's a you know synthesizer g and you know okay come on getting all technical on this. <laughs> but uh here's a song where it's like that's a strings arrangement yeah like someone wrote and arranged it in hip-hop it's just like ah breath of fresh air mm-hmm. fantastic i'm ashamed that i ever skipped this song ever i used to skip it too yeah, yeah. and and you know listening back to it people do yourself the favor just rock the track for what it is and secondly to see what I mean, it's like you could fucking hear Drake oh, just yeah. fall on. I his can hear track. it now. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, without a doubt. As soon as as I started playing it in the last couple of weeks, I'm just like, holy shit! And this is 1999. Yeah, like he he already just knew. He was just there already, mm-hmm. just ahead of it. Yinka, any thoughts to add? Yeah, I enjoy climb as well. Um, I think you guys pretty much covered it, so we can move on. All right. So the next highlight for me that y'all. Have, we haven't really gone into yet is Mr. Nigga featuring Q-Tip and this is one that I enjoyed back in the day but I didn't listen to it as much as I do now and maybe some of that is because maybe I just didn't have as much life experience to really understand this stuff and I understood it then but I don't think I really 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 understand it now like the whole the whole thing with him being on the airplane and having the stewardess not know who he is, be completely disrespectful, and then come back and say, my son would love your autograph, mm-hmm. is fucking genius. Of all of the quote-unquote like woke songs, 
I'm not sure if we need another one after this song, Mr. Nigga. It's just so it's so relevant 20 years ago today, probably 50 years ago. Um, it'll probably be relevant again in another 20 years, another 50 years. Who knows? But this is definitely a big highlight for me. I like the Q-tip is on there just with the throwback to Sucker Nigga. And, you know, it's not my favorite beat on the on the record, but it's something despite the fact that it's not my favorite beat it's uh i still just think it's an amazing song i agree wholeheartedly i think we talked about midnight marauders on this on this podcast and we talked mm-hmm. about suck a nigga and how while we love suck a nigga as a piece of music you know some of it was just like huh like kind of a question mark when it came to the lyrics <laughs> yeah what are you saying and so you know yeah. this is like <laughs> If this is a, a an, an homage to Sucker Nigga or whatever it is, you know, in terms of relating those two, these lyrics are just so succinct and do such a great job of, of saying exactly what I would have wanted Sucker Nigga to tell me in terms of like, like why, like why are you calling him a sucker? Like what, you know, what does he need to do? What, what should he he be doing differently, etc. Like this is, you know, again going back to talking about the black state of living, state of being. This record is just it's just perfect lyrically. I'll point out the gem that is on this song. Um, that juxtaposition between Michael Jackson and the way the media treated Yo, him. Yo, that yeah. was great. And Woody Allen. With Woody Allen. That was the yeah. first time Fantastic. I ever heard about the Woody Allen thing. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, it's like it's a great point. It's like he molested and married his stepdaughter. But the media, you know, will celebrate him later because, you know, it's, it's Woody Allen. He's great. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But, the, you know, the same media, you know, was treating uh, Michael Jackson, you know, the way he did until his untimely death. Uh, so that, that's one of the takeaways I have from this song. Yeah, yeah. that's so real. And then the, o, the OJ reference right after it, right? Like he, mm-hmm. right. you know, these, these are things that, you know. I would be at at a, a party with my parents and and all the the older black people would be talking about you know but I was kind of still young enough that I didn't it, it was kind of grown folk talk for me but uh you know definitely educational from that perspective because then I go and I look and I'm like wow this Woody Allen dude you know really is <laughs> a fucking creep <laughs> so before I go into my last highlight, just want to shout out a couple of songs that didn't get much mention here at all. Okay. We talked about hip hop. We talked about love. Obviously, songs that, you know, the three of us really, really like. Mm-hmm. The last one we haven't mentioned at all is Habitat. And it's not a highlight for me. It is a song that I like. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Got a real good beat, real good melody. It's not a highlight for me. It's mm-hmm. still a good song. But the last highlight for me is May to December. It's a song I've always liked. Before I even got into jazz music, I liked this song. And I think it's a perfect way to send off the album. And I just want to give a shout out to Greg Tribal. Carlos, you may not remember this, but back when we were in the basement putting our mixtapes together, Greg has a song with this beat on it called It's All About the Love, Y'all. Give some, give some. We all have all have wow. to have some. Oh I still have God. that. I still have that track that is on, on cassette. I don't have any way to play it, but I still have all that mixtapes that we did. I still have them all on cassette. And was he the only one on the track? He was the only one on the track, and I still I still saved it. And I remember at the time, you're like, yo, why are you saving his track on your mixtape? And I'm like, 
It's a dope song. Like, that's my boy. I want to I, I keep this strong. Well, that, that just really made me sound like a hater. So thank you for that. <laughs> shout out to Greg, man. I mean, yeah, that's, shout uh, out to Greg. He loves this album, too. I do remember that, man. Yeah, May through December. And yeah, yeah I mean... I mean, a great piece of music, and you know, it's super dope that Most Def was, uh, you know, uh, co-produced it. You know, I thought it was, you know, awesome just to show that you know, the ability. Back then, you know, just <laughs> I wanted to hear him spit on it, um, yep. but he didn't. So I yep. guess that was. It's, it's yet another record <laughs> that at the time I, I probably mathematics would go off, and, and I just turned the album off. But you know, now as just digesting it as a piece of music as opposed to just me trying to hear 16s from rappers that I enjoy. Um, I, I, I like this piece of music and I definitely still rock it when I, when I listen now. You know, and I think when you look at the, the context of the song within the album itself, and we've all kind of hinted at this, but it's not the only song to do that. I mean, you have Fear Not of Men, you've got Omi Says, even rock and roll to some degree, Climb. May to December. And I think the common theme here is that most of, you know, he fucking put in work on this album from a musical perspective. Really it's not just about the bars. Mm. It's the totality of the music. It's the totality of the feeling you get from being black on both sides, black mm. on the outside, black on the inside. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's very, very black. It's very, very dope. I don't have anything else to say about this album. I mean, to some degree, he was teaching us because, you know, I mean, he was the, the fact that, that there is so much kind of diversity here. Right. Like we a lot of us and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for myself. I can't speak for everybody. But, um, you know, like we we liked hip hop and hip hop was was a certain thing. And, you know, yeah, I know music like hip hop. Where is it? Sixteens, nigga rap, nigga rap. But, uh, you know, like he was like, yo, slow down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. I sit back. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a whole musical experience. All of these things are hip hop, and so uh, I just respect that about this piece of music. Final thoughts on the album? My final thoughts on this album is that this album is an amazing piece of music. If anybody hasn't heard it, I think you should hear it. I think this is gonna be remembered up there with you know um, things fall apart and you know um, uh, what's the uh, the coats joint between the world and me and you know I think this is a record that's that important when we talk about black art and uh mm -hmm. yeah i'll leave it at that carlos um a few things uh, uh an album this strong i, I think uh feral munch needs to thank most Def big time because mm. uh, his his future album internal affairs was actually yes. uh you know advertised in the <laughs> cd insert yeah, yeah, yeah. so when yep. you have an album that's this good that you listen to that much <laughs> that that album was as good as bought yeah, Facts. you know what I'm saying. Facts. Just because it was in there, so so you know, Pharaoh, I'm sure is appreciative of most Dev. Um, but when you consider, you know, this project from top to bottom, what it was, you know, obviously most Dev as an MC, and you know what he did in terms of pushing the boundaries and moving the meter of hip hop with like you know the singing and just you know lyrically what he was doing, but also musically, mm -hmm. how much he performed on it and all that other stuff. It's just like, man, he really poured himself into it. Great debut album um, for him. But then, like, one of what one of the things that he writes, like his thank yous or whatever, mm -hmm. in that CD inserts kind of stands out to how humble of a dude he was at the same time. At a time where, like, rappers were just really boastful and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's like, what he says is, uh, the blurb that I'm highlighting here is, whoever hears this and hears good, know that it's from my lot. Whoever hears this and hears bad, 
Know that it is from me and my own shortcomings. Mm. And for this, I ask Allah and the people to forgive me. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> like to mention that, uh, you know, with your debut album, mm. it's like most like you good, man. <laughs> this was fantastic. You delivered a classic. Yeah. Facts, you know, facts. but that's what is on his mind just as a person. Yeah. This uh, was a tremendous gift uh, to, to, to music in general. Tremendous offering to hip hop. And um, little did I know. I mean, I, I just completely consumed the album. But I'm pleased to see, you know, looking back on it 20 years later, that it really influenced the genre itself. Like, it, it moved the meter. And he is one of the people that uh, fans of hip-hop and, and just, you know, other media outlets look back to and, you know, just break down and deconstruct what he was doing because uh, it was just fantastic. So I'm really happy for, for you know, someone I'm a big fan of to have moved the meter in the way he did because it was, un I didn't anticipate that, you know, yeah. to be honest. Like, out of that whole camp, I always liked them, but I thought other people would, you know, be the bigger names in it. I think that's fair. And we could talk about this album all day, um, but we're probably going to wrap it up there. And so, uh, you know, if you guys enjoyed the album, let us know what you thought. And you can hit us up at the 80s babies at a number of different places. So that's T-H-E. 80ZBABIES at Gmail, at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Hit us up, reach us out. If there's something else that you'd like us to cover, you know, just let us know, give us feedback, whatever it is. And uh, I think that should wrap it up. So for myself, Yinka, Carlos, peace. Peace. Peace, everybody. It was a pleasure. Oh,